Chapter Three of the Young Pretenders by Edith Henrietta Fowler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, in London. London isn't nearly as big as the country," said Babs one day, pressing her nose flat against the window. "How do you know?" asked Teddy. "By looking, of course. At home we could see the garden, then the field, and the woods and the hills ever so far away. What was generally bluish." And here you just see nothing but the streets, and there's no far away at all. I like London," said Teddy, "'cause you see soldiers sometimes, and it's fun driving in the park." I've never drived in the park yet," announced Babs rather mournfully, "and I don't like always going walks and wearing gloves. Gloves are horrid," agreed her brother, "and Aunt Eleanor says I must always wear them very sadly, and it's so hot. My fingers is all sticky and tighten them. There seems more children in London than the country. Teddy thought, but we don't never play with them. I asked Aunt Eleanor if I mightn't play with some of them in Kensington Gardens, and she said certainly not, or I'd catch something. What? Asked Teddy. She didn't say, but it seems a pity not to play when there are such lots of children. Now, Miss Babs, dear," called Nana. "Come and have your things on, and we'll go for a walk. Wace is coming too." Wace was Aunt Eleanor's maid. Babs was a very different-looking child now to what she used to be at Cloverdale. No comfortable, dirty pinafore was allowed in London, but a clean white frock with a wide black sash, thin, shiny shoes, and silk stockings instead of the old thick boots and cotton socks. And a big hat trimmed very smartly on the top of her well-brushed hair, but Aunt Eleanor still thought her woefully plain, and took far more notice of pretty Teddy, who looked charming in his new sailor suits. "Let's go up to the park," said Teddy as they started out. "Oh yes!" cried Babs enthusiastically, "'cause we might see the soldiers." Soldiers are one of the few things in London that really attract the attention of children. In the country, they noticed almost everything they see. But in London, probably the mass of objects prevent most of them from being individualized, and children walk along apparently unconscious of the vast stream of traffic, the army of horses, the endless number of people, the thousand objects, in fact, that line one's way through London. Every now and then, they notice a really interesting thing, such as a watering cart or a barrel organ, especially if crowned by a monkey, or above all things, the ordinary London cat. That is always exciting, whether asleep on the area steps, or peeping through the railings, or taking a constitutional walk, or chatting with a neighbor. A child will never pass by a cat without seeing it, feeling a personal interest in it, and probably hanging behind on the nurse's hand to get a last look at so dear a feline friend. Teddy and Babs were no exception to the rule. They walked up Queen's Gate and saw hardly anything therein. A man mending a lamp post at last attracted Teddy's attention, and he and Babs suddenly developed an interest in lamp posts. "Do you think he's the man that turns out the London gas in the morning?" said Babs. "Oh, I would like to ask him." "Come along, Miss Babs, dear," called Nurse. Just then they saw a really very entertaining thing. A sparrow flying along with a huge straw in its mouth, which instantly produced in Babs a perfect frenzy of delight. "Oh, look, look!" she cried. "Nana, waste! 
do look at that dear little bird what has got the straw i specs he's going to build a nest like the birds do in the country where do you think he lives somewhere quite near miss babs said wace very likely in that tree do you think he's the one i hear chirping in the mornings asked the child bless her little heart ejaculated nurse poor nana found london rather tiring after the peaceful rest of cloverdale and moreover she was always longing for the big garden for the children to play in squares indeed she had scornfully observed they be but poor shoddy imitations of real gardens teddy and babs were talking about the sparrow when wace called their attention excitedly look miss babs and master teddy there is the prince of wales teddy looked hurriedly at a passing omnibus and babs straight up in the air as if she were hoping to see the princess in a balloon by the time their attention was properly directed they succeeded in catching sight of the back of a far distant carriage and were not suitably impressed then they crossed over into the park and teddy and babs began to run teddy was a soldier on a horse one of those dear ones that the lifeguards ride his black trousers carried out that idea and his hat on one side made a splendid soldier and babs was a train it must have been warm work rushing about in the sun on a broiling june day in addition to keeping up a perpetual puffing and blowing but that was of course necessary to the idea of the train by and by the sound of distant music and gleam of far-off colour intimated that the soldiers were really coming up queen's gate on their way back to the knightsbridge barracks shrieks of delight from babs attracted the amused attention of several passers-by how lovely they was she said when the show was over i like the soldiers better than anything in london of course i do agreed teddy uncle charlie is not so much of a soldier as we fought is he teddy i've never seen him like one yet you forget his medal babs i suppose so but when a man's never a thing you forget what he really is said the little girl lucidly he is going to a regimental dinner to-night and he will wear his soldier things i like soldiers what fights better than those that only go out to dinner i like both kinds said teddy who had a well-regulated masculine mind let's find things suggested babs and that was a game which never fell flat such wonderful treasures they found in kensington gardens a broken bit of shell on the pathway the outside of a horse chestnut under the trees a piece of fancy grass that was growing and a hundred other things which none but children's eyes would have noticed and which would have brought pleasure to none but children's souls the morning was gone in no time and babs and teddy were surprised when nana said it was time to go home to dinner and there a new treat awaited them a lady had written to ask aunt eleanor to bring the children to a garden party she was giving that afternoon will you be good if i take you her aunt asked babs there was generally a gritty sound in aunt eleanor's voice when she spoke to her little niece she was always irritated with the child for not being pretty and she never tried to understand bab's eager original nature she did not mean to be actually unkind only she was utterly ignorant of how great a depth of sympathy and knowledge is needed by those who have the care of little children oh i will be good i promise said babs excitedly i won't do nothing at all naughty very well now go and tell nurse to dress you in your very best at four o'clock they started in the carriage to the children's keen delight 
Babs chattered unceasingly. Do you think they remembers to feed all the omnibus horses? She asked. Oh, look, Teddy, as that old man getting up that omnibus. He minds me so much of Giles. Don't point, Babs, said her aunt sharply. That is not behaving at all well. I'm so sorry. I didn't know, said Babs with a cloud over her bright face. But how do you make people see things if you don't point? Aunt Eleanor could not bear the trouble of answering children's questions. Do be quiet a bit, she said testily. And a ten-second silence ensued. Wace's young man used to conduct in an omnibus, began the little girl again. But he left to better himself. What an awful child she is, thought Aunt Eleanor. I wish I had only brought Teddy. But Babs was quite unconscious of her crimes. Happily, the drive soon came to an end, and directly they were safe inside the garden, Aunt Eleanor forgot all about the children and went off with several friends, whom she had not seen during the whole dreary month, in which she had been obliged to mourn for her husband's mother. Teddy, too, behaved rather shabbily to Babs. The hostess brought two little boys to play with him, and after staring at each other for a while, after the manner of children, the bigger of the two observed, Come on! And Teddy went leaving his sister alone on the terrace. But Babs was a dear, sunny little soul who was wont to make the best of everything, and though her childish spirit sank at the sad experience of not being a big boy like Teddy, she soon cheered up and began to talk to a nice lady with a kind face who had seen the baby tragedy and was full of sympathy for the little girl. "'Would you like some strawberries, dear?' she asked, and Babs' face brightened wonderfully as she slipped her hand into that of her new friend. I've never been to a real grown-up party afore, she said confidingly, cause we lived in a country always. I expect you like the country better than London, said the lady. I likes them both, but the country is my favorite. You see, in London I have to wear gloves, and it matters about not being pretty. I never knowed in the country that I wasn't. The lady looked quite sad all in a minute, and Babs thought there were tears in her eyes. "'Where's your mother, dear?' she asked gently. "'In India. She's coming home soon. I've never seen my mother nor father, and Teddy has forgotten them, but Nana remembers them.' "'I'm so glad she is coming,' said the lady. "'I used to live in the country, too, but that was a long time ago.' "'When you was in your last place?' suggested Babs. The lady laughed. "'Yes, darling,' she said. "'And now tell me if your little brother is kind to you.' Oh, yes, we always play together, unless, and her face clouded over again, unless there's any bigger children what makes me too little. You'll be bigger some day, you know. It'll never be no good, continued Babs mournfully, cause when I's seven, he'll be nine. Never mind that. Have some more strawberries or a piece of cake. I aren't messing at all, are I? asked the little girl anxiously. "'cause I promised Aunt Eleanor I'd be good.' "'You are very good, dear,' said the lady. "'Yesterday was a bad day for Uncle Charlie,' began Babs when the cake was finished and she had gone with her new friend for a walk round the garden. "'His best shirts were messed in the wash. "'Teddy and I was playing after tea "'and he was so happy in the passage "'when all of a sudden Uncle Charlie came out of his dressing room "'with a crumpled shirt and he was so angry.' as angry as, as, a lion what has missed a person. Here is a swing, 
said the lady, smiling at these domestic revelations. Would you like to get on it? Oh, yes, screamed Babs, to whom the swing was a dear country sight. I'll swing you, said the lady. Oh, no, don't touch me. I can do it all right. We had a swing at Cloverdale. Look, as the swing began to move in obedience to her extreme efforts, I are quite a little acrobat. The lady laughed again. You are indeed, she said, but you will get so hot. Let me swing you now. So Babs had a lovely swing. I are joying myself, she said in a glad little voice. Is your country home very far away? asked her friend. Oh, yes, thousands of miles. There was a stone in the road what said one hundred and ninety-five miles to London. Would that mean this London, do you think? Yes, dear. Well, it was all that far away. We'll go home again some day when father and mother in India come, if there's a train to take us. There will certainly be a train, the lady assured her. Just then a young man joined them. How are you, Mrs. Allison? I didn't know you were here. And what a very nice person you have got to talk to. She is quite splendid. Then to Babs. This gentleman likes little girls. Only pretty ones? asked Babs pathetically. Only fat, happy, funny ones, said the young man, just like you. That's a good thing, laughed Babs. I are quite fat, and shall I show you what makes me happy? Yes, do. What is it? Babs turned out her tiny pocket. It contained a clean pocket handkerchief and a small paper parcel. She opened the paper and proudly displayed what was apparently a bit of meat. It's the tip of a tongue, she explained. Teddy and I got one for luck, you know. Cook gived it to us, and sometimes I carry it and sometimes he does. It brought us the soldiers this morning and a party this afternoon. One tip lasts about a fortnight. But if you wear cotton frocks, you have to be very careful to remember to take it out of your pocket afore it's sent to the wash. That's a good superstition, said the young man to the lady, and then they both laughed. You're a rum little creature, he said to Babs. Will anyone be wanting you, dear? asked the lady. I think we had better go back to the terrace. Oh, yes, perhaps Aunt Eleanor and Teddy. Is the party over? in a doleful tone. Well, it is nearly. I am going home now. And I am, added the young man. Good gracious, child, where have you been? exclaimed Aunt Eleanor impatiently. And then seeing Mrs. Allison, I hope my little niece hasn't been boring you. Oh, no, said the lady, I like her. And as Aunt Eleanor hurried away with the children, Mrs. Allison said to the young man, Aunt Eleanor would have bored me to death in five minutes, but that nice little niece of hers? Never. Goodbye, kind lady, said Babs, running back and holding up her face for a kiss. I hope I'll see you every day. Goodbye, called the young man. What is your name? You never told me. Curdie shouted Babs as her aunt called her, for Mrs. Conway's carriage stopped the way. A most ordinary thing happened to me, began the little girl as they drove off. A gentleman spoke to me what I did not know. He asked me my name, but I thought I had better not tell him, so I said, Curdie. How silly you are, said Aunt Eleanor. Were those two nice little boys? to Teddy. Midlin, answered Teddy. They're going to school soon. When am I going to school, Auntie? 
when you know a little more. A governess is coming for you and Babs on Monday, and then we shall see how you get on. Shall I go to Eton school like those other boys? I expect so, but your father will decide when he comes home. What'll I do when Teddy goes to school? asked Babs with a dawning fear. But nobody took the trouble to answer her. Teddy was thinking of the new world of school, and Aunt Eleanor was nodding to a friend. When they reached home, it was almost the children's bedtime, but they were so anxious to see Uncle Charlie dressed in his soldier things that they were allowed to stay downstairs. Aunt Eleanor put on a tea gown and threw herself down on the sofa. I feel wretchedly ill, she exclaimed petulantly. These hot days give me such a headache. Do you think you'll get better or die? asked Babs with interest. She is the most unfeeling child I ever saw, thought her aunt. But aloud she said snappishly, Of course I shall get better. I'm so glad. Just then a telegram was brought in asking Mrs. Conway to dine with some people in a friendly way and go with them to their box at the opera afterwards. The headache vanished as if by magic. She, poor, pleasure-loving soul, was only sick of stopping at home, and she rushed upstairs to dress in the greatest delight. Uncle Charlie came down first, and the children danced round him in a perfect ecstasy. "'How lovely you look!' cried Babs. "'A regular pride of the nation!' "'And your medal on, too,' said Teddy. "'Why don't you wear it always?' "'A handsome,' said their uncle to the butler, while Babs was stroking his sleeve and kissing his sword. "'Good night, little people,' patting their heads. Uncle Charlie always treated the children as if they were dogs. Not prize ones, of course, but nice commonplace dogs who occasionally were brought out of their kennels for a treat. "'I likes Uncle Charlie better than Aunt Eleanor,' said Babs as the handsome drove away. "'And I do,' agreed Teddy, "'cause he's a soldier.' "'And kinder,' added the little girl. "'Oh!' This last remark had reference to their aunt, whom they now saw in evening dress for the first time. She had not been to a party since they came, besides they were always in bed before her dinner time. She really did look beautiful. The jetted black dress showed off the fairness of her complexion, and diamonds flashed in her golden hair. "'You're as lovely as a fairy,' said Teddy admiringly, "'or an angel.' Aunt Eleanor kissed him and looked pleased. "'How splendid you do look!' exclaimed Babs after a deep-drawn breath. Giles always said Uncle Charlie had married one as would be more for ornament than use, and you are, aren't you? Her aunt's pretty face quite changed. How often am I to forbid you to repeat that odious old Giles chatter, she said angrily, for the exact reproduction of the old gardener's accent was most offensive to her fastidious ears, and besides, the vulgar truth of his saying was hardly palatable. The child's bright, happy look faded. It was rather a sad little Babs that waved her good night from the window. Sad thoughts had begun to come to the little girl in this new life of hers. She knew she continually vexed her aunt, and yet at the same time she was unconscious of any wrong. She read the impatience of Aunt Eleanor's tone and the disapprobation of her glance in the midst of the merriest play, and exceeding bitter once was her cry, "'All the little girls are pretty except me!' after she had seen her aunt lavishing admiration and petting on Lady Evelie's golden-haired doll-faced children. And yet she bore no grudge against Aunt Eleanor, 
nor yet again steady, whom both uncle and aunt so obviously preferred. Few people who saw this commonplace, sturdy little maiden would have guessed the depth and beauty of her fair child's soul. End of chapter 3